Welcome to Bamsey's Humanity First podcast. I am Chris Rhineland with Peter Evers here at Bamsey, and uh, we are going to be celebrating nurses on this edition of the podcast. There's a lot going on at Bamsey this month. We're doing Nurses Week. We're also having our Mental Health Matters event, which is coming up on May the 19th. Time to talk, time to listen with uh, four pat panelists and the voice of the New England Patriots, uh, Bob Sosi, as our host for that event. We encourage folks to go to our Facebook page um, and to uh, Bamsey.org to register for that event, which is sponsored by Jordan's Furniture. And uh, without any further ado, we introduce now the CEO and president of Bamsey, Peter Evers. Peter, how are you? Thanks, Chris. Very well, thanks. Um, And welcome, everybody, to this edition of the podcast. And this one is a special one. Uh, for all of us, uh, because it's Nurses Week, and we're gonna, we have two very special guests with us today, uh, who are gonna talk a little bit about nursing in general, uh, but also nursing at Bamsey and what it's like, and what it's like being like over the last year, being in a position where <laughs> the entire agency has been relying uh, on uh, nursing leadership to bring us through an incredibly difficult time, as everybody knows. Um, so I have Christiana and Barbara with me, um, and we are going to talk a little bit about about where we're at, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about celebrating Nurses Week, because um, I, uh, some people may know that I was raised by a nurse <laughs> and, uh, and, and did very well um, from being raised by a nurse. And, and nursing is a very, very um, close to my heart, I think, in terms of uh, how the, the, the British Health Service sort of grew up in terms of nursing being the backbone of that. And indeed, the same thing for this country. And, um, and there is nothing, um, there's nothing more important than what has happened here over the last year uh, than the work that our nursing staff has done. So I'm going to ask Barbara Gordon uh, to introduce herself and, uh, and, and just say a little bit about what you do in the organization, and then we'll ask Christiana to do that too. Well, thank you for having me. My name is Barbara Gordon. I'm the Vice President of Healthcare here at Bamsey. So I oversee all of the nursing, and not only that, but all of the healthcare uh, policies and regulations and uh, work closely with the uh, operations team to take care of people that um, live in the community. Um, And we also, not only that, we run day programs, which uh, we have nurses um, at those programs, and we also have outreach centers. And then we do, we work on a lot of projects out in the, the community, um, and I'm sure we'll be talking about some of those projects as there are quite a few of them over this past year. <laughs> so, Christiana? My name is Christiana. I'm the Director of Healthcare Services here at BEMSI. I work, like Barbara said, I work very closely with Barbara in um, what we do here, overseeing over 250 nurses um, all over south of Massachusetts. Um, we have, like she said, the day programs. We actually collaborate with our community to make sure individuals that we take care of are well taken care of because we work with the primary care physicians. We work with the local hospitals. We make sure they get their routine care and um, work very diligently with a group of fantastic nurses who are out there working hard every day. And I'm happy to be here. So Nurses Week, um, 
I was doing a little research about this, of course, and I found out that uh, Florence Nightingale's birthday is May the 12th, and, and I, I was reading a little bit about her and her uh, ability during the Crimean War to professionalize nursing uh, back in the 1800s. And, and I was thinking how far nursing has come uh, over the years. And then I was thinking about BAMSI, and BAMSI is really unusual, isn't it, in terms of an agency that has agreed to take on a lot of medical risk in, in our work. In fact, probably about 45% of the homes that we run on the residential side are medical homes. Uh, and the number of, of nurses that we have is disproportionate, I think, to every other organization mm -hmm. because of that, which I think is, there's a couple of things that strike me as impressive about that. One is BAMSI's continued or, or, or history of agreeing to take on uh, difficult tasks in terms of caring for people, not only people with um, with intellectual difficulties, developmental difficulties, but those associating comorbid uh, medical problems. So your job, sort of covering the agency's um, medical needs and looking after the nurses is so much more, I think, difficult than probably any other agency that, that we work with. Um, how do you build that team? I mean, how... Uh, they're such a wonderful group of people. I've met many of them in the last year and, and commented on um, on the remarkable resolve that people have. In fact, in a message that I did recently, uh, I quoted Norman Schwarzkopf, who said something along the lines of courage uh, is the definition of courage is when you're actually afraid, but you go ahead and do that thing anyway, which I really love because I must have been like that for you guys at the beginning of this. I remember I came on board and immediately we, all, we went into into lockdown and you just took over. You just said, look, you know, we we need to new protocols. We need new ways of doing things. Forget your old job. You said that the other day, Barbara. I remember it's like I have all of these other things to do. And then all of a sudden it was in crisis mode. And we're still in. Let's face it. We're still in crisis mode. So how have you how have you been able to work with your nurses who have taken the brunt uh, along with our direct care workers of that um, of the pandemic, how you managed to keep that esprit de corps uh, and that um, that willingness to come in to do another shift? What what's the what are the what are the strengths that brought people through? Well, I think foundationally, people that um, decide to become nurses and decide to uh, be a part of this profession foundationally come here because they have a, a motivation to take care of people. They feel that this profession gives them a purpose. And so that sense of purpose, I think, um, is really, really important. I think that um, it helps them make, they, they know that they're coming to work, especially here at BAMSI, every single day to make a difference in someone's life. And it's not just in the, the people that we serve, but it's, it's also making a difference um, with the families. Um, and I think that, in general, that there is a lot of trust that's placed in nurses, and, and that nurses take that very seriously. Christiana had mentioned that you know the polls always show that the most uh, trusted profession is nursing, and I think it's because nurses are honest people. Um, through the the past year, uh, it was uh, it was a crazy year, no doubt about it. Um, I think that. A lot of courage was displayed um, this past year. Many people came into work. So, you know, I think the public saw nursing 
in the new light over the past year. So we have hospital-level nurses that came in and came into this abyss of the unknown. Really, there's so much chaos, a lot of unknown. And they also saw community nursing as well. And community nursing, I think, I think that the public had, has a shift now that um, community nursing were also frontline nurses, mm-hmm. and they were also heroes in this fight for the pandemic because we all live in our communities. Um, and there was to see people come to work every single day. I, I, I will say that Christiana Allison, who's another member of our team. Myself, Jocelyn, we made sure that we did not leave our our nurses behind in this fight and the people that we serve behind in this fight. So we walked into our programs like everybody else and and Mm -hmm. made sure that we were taking care of people, making sure that people were feeling safe, you know. And I think that helped people know that their leadership team was out there working with them, beside them. And I think that made a big, big impact. Um, a lot I mean I also will say that I had a nurse who took me aside a couple weeks ago and said I just need you to know that when this pandemic started you gave me something to do I was able to work with HR because Mm -hmm. this nurse worked in our day programs and I think that's the other thing nurses throughout this pandemic um, it was realized that they're, they can cross-train. They, they were like, what can I do to help? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I can't do my usual job, but what can I do to help? And people are very appreciative of that and appreciative of having um, an opportunity. And I do think that's what we learned here, that uh, nurses wear many hats. Yeah. What do you think, Christiana? Oh, no, you're absolutely right. I think the past year, it really showcased what nurses do. Not just the hospitals, but thinking about the community and when you think about the pandemic we were like trying to keep people safe mm-hmm. and where do you begin to keep people safe in the ho- in their homes we needed to keep them home the hospitals were filled up and so not only were we looking at the frontline nurses in the hospital who spent a lot of time with their patients you know they're used to holding their hands talking to them and now you have this wall there is a virus out there how would you do your job that you'd love to do what you're passionate about that is going to your patient explaining everything over and over and now you know you're trying to not do that spend so much time in the room with the patient but you don't have a choice that's what you're trying to Mm -hmm. do spend a lot of Mm -hmm. time with them and so the only way we could do that is stop people from going to the hospital Mm -hmm. and so we people out there community nurses we are really frontline workers Mm -hmm. i worked so many hours educating people families convincing them that this was real and when you talk to them because you're a nurse, like Barbara said, they trust you. They know you You can't. You're trying to make them understand. And being in a diverse community like Brockton was really very challenging. Mm-hmm. You know, it showcased the disparities, what's going on, the economic disparity, mm-hmm. racial disparity. And being a person of color, I had to be out there mm-hmm. and tell people, like, this is real. Mm-hmm. We People are getting killed. People mm-hmm. are dying mm-hmm. from this. And knowing that you're a nurse, and then you turn around and you have your subordinates who are also relying on you, and they did such a fantastic job. I mean, one evening I called my coworker, Alice, and I said, you know, we have direct care staff. They don't, we, we have to do something. We have to protect them. Let's just do the um, try, think about the recovery home. And that was awesome. Mm-hmm. They called us. They 
our leadership supported us to do that. DDS supported us to do that. It wasn't easy. It was challenging, but we did it. And I remember calling Brockton Hospital. Actually, they called me. They said, we hear you have a recovery house. <laughs> Are you just taking BEMSI clients or can you take someone? And so for me, we were able to do our job just because of the collaboration, um, our BEMSI team, our ADs who did not know. They were willing to listen. They were willing to shift gears with us, even though we didn't know what we were doing at some point. You know, we go to CDC. Barbara, I'm, I'm telling you, it was like one day I called Jill. I said, can you just have Barbara stay in her home and just tell me what to do? We cannot all be out there. Because, <laughs> you know, let her just, all she was doing was looking at CDC website mm-hmm. and all the, you know, it was changing every day. We really learned so much. I don't think we could have done anything without our team, honestly. I mean, when I say our team, I mean like our direct care staff who were willing to move in and live with the clients and even mm. switch. Today you tell them you need to wear your mask, tomorrow you don't need to. You know, all the things they had to change with us. And mm. um, I think pretty much we learned so much. It, it was a time to learn for everyone. Mm-hmm. So like Christina points out, the year wasn't perfect no. and it couldn't be perfect. But my husband has the saying, don't let perfection get in the way <laughs> of good. Mm-hmm. And we accomplished so much good. We minimized people getting sick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I counted to see how many of our persons served, you know, who live in the community. We have over 500, um, and we had about 118 people that, you know, got sick with COVID, um, about 110 that recovered, 112 yeah. that recovered, and, and most of them recovered at home. Yes, mm-hmm. and it did. we have a very challenging population, mm-hmm. and we had to think out of the box. Yeah. So our standard infection control uh, procedures didn't always apply. We had to do, Christiana yeah. at one point when I called, like reverse precautions. Yep. And that's what we did. Mm-hmm. We did it. We had to think differently out of the box to keep people safe. Yeah. And um, that went a long way. <clears throat> you know, that went a long way with our staff. And I think being out on the front lines, we saw the compassion and the care that was delivered um, by our nurses and by our, and even by our direct care team. Mm-hmm. They did an incredible, incredible job. And it was really an honor to be able um, to meet with them, to talk to them, to, to listen to their fears, um, and not just for the staff, but for our, you know the people that we served as well. And you know, as the pandemic rolled on, in terms of the different hats that we wore, um, we had the opportunity to do testing that none yes. of us wanted to yeah. do. <laughs> mm-hmm. And again, that was just another hat, another mm. time in the yeah. pandemic. Um, and then the vaccine, nursing played a, a large role, Huge. a big role Huge. In, in getting the vaccine out. And, and there's still a, a big role to play with the, the vaccine rollout. I, I read that 100 million people have been vaccinated in the U.S., which is 39% of the population. So there's still more more to do. And, and there's a lot out there about vaccine equity and making sure that everyone has the opportunity um, to get vaccinated. I want to talk. Oh, sorry. I want to talk kind of generally about nursing. And like Peter, I grew up around a nurse. My grandmother was a, a nurse. And um, you know, to me, you know, nursing is about caring at a very baseline level. And then the skill set that allows for you to care in the best possible way is developed to um, supplement what that real basic um, you know feeling is and yeah, I'm curious from from both of your perspectives about what you, you see at nursing 
being and what drives uh, an individual to want to become a nurse. If they're thinking about other jobs, kind of young in life, you know, what do I want to do? Um, what are the attributes of, of nursing that, in your view, um, makes it more than a paycheck, so to speak? I agree. I, I think you have to be, um, the basic thing you need is the passion to, you want to help people. You have to love what you do. Um, most people, I, for me, it's, for me, it's just looking, I had an aunt who was a nurse and watching her take care of the family. Mm-hmm. You know, every little thing she was called and I wanted to be that person that everyone would say help. And I watched her, you know, I did my nursing in Nigeria and, you know, wearing the white uniform with the hat. You know, she looked, I, am not, I don't know if I can say that on here, but she looked really, and I wanted to do that. It wasn't really the same um, now. Nothing has evolved. You have, like Barbara said, there's telehealth. The pandemic really opened our eyes mm-hmm. what you can do. Um, not every p- part of nursing can be done telehealth, but we've, things that we thought we couldn't do before have called patient on a Zoom have them show you her pills. Let me see where your medications are. Look around the house to see where the environment look like. They, especially community health nurses, including climate change. What is the environment like? Why is this asthma so, you know, mm. you have to have a nurse go in there and really look at the whole environment, look at the entire policies, even policy making as a community. You need a nurse to say this policy is not working. Mm-hmm. We need to move. And so we're hoping that we would have, you know, as we go in the future, we'll have more nurses who can really look at um, what's going on as a community and be able to speak up. So nursing is not just now caring. It's about well, well health well-being a lot mm-hmm. of nurse health coaches we had a training the other day um which was really interesting and she's a nurse and she all of a sudden she's doing this health coach and barbara did touch on something when you have family members this year i was telling barbara my daughter who's 20 um unfortunately my husband got had uh, a health scare i mean it wasn't a scare he was really sick and um you know, he had to have surgery in the pandemic. It was really tough. Mm-hmm. I was working and mm-hmm. she was 20. She was supposed to go back to school and she decided to do remote. She didn't know what to expect from her dad. They're very close. And and when he came back from surgery two days, they had to discharge him early. He came back with the Foley bag. He came back and she saw me moving things, mo- removing this, calming him down. I was so calm. She's like, you're really very calm. I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm in my alley. And two yeah. days Two days after she came out, she, know, she said to me, Mom, I called my advice. I said, why? I'm going to switch my major uh, to nursing. Uh, wow. That's uh, awesome. Uh, I couldn't believe story. it. I looked at her. I called Barbara. I'm like, 
<laughs> and she knows her very well. She's like, she what? She's like, I'm like, I never. It wasn't. I'm like, hey, you're not a nurse. She's like, yes, I am. Mm. I will. I will try. I would like to mm. do what you just did. So even in our group homes, you have people, direct care staff. I mean, we have so many direct care staff that come in. They just want to do this while they mm. go to college and then they end mm. up being nurses because they see mm. what we do. They see the difference um, the nurses make. And I think that um, I'm happy that in the past year, the society is seeing that more. Yeah. I think it's a good transition into the future of nursing. I'm going to bring Peter into this as well. Um, where where do you see, you know, you've touched upon it a little bit. Where do you see the industry going? And, you know, I think that more people are going to want to age at home. Um, I think that there is seen there is seen to be a, a tremendous need for nursing. Um, we've talked a lot about the fact there's a nursing shortage, there's also a doctor shortage, um, and you know more individuals. The hope is that more individuals have qu- uh, access to quality health care moving forward. So there's going to be this tremendous need, and obviously some of that is outside of what we do here at Bamsey. But as a as an industry as a whole, I'm curious what, what Peter thinks and. Also, what um, both of you think about the the future of of nursing, both in this organization and uh, more generally, we start with uh, Barbara. Well, I, just did, I did see some data so that there's one nurse for every eighty one people. So, yeah, the nursing shortage is, is is a real real thing, and yes, the need is growing. Um, as far as where nursing is is going. Um, I think nursing is going to be very science-based, very data-driven. A lot of um, people are going to be, you know, the data is going to drive accountability. Um, and evidence-based practices are going to drive how we provide care to people, consistency, um, quality. But in terms of there's a lot of turnover in, in this um, industry, and there is, I, I, it's going to it's going to require policies to, to be put in place um, to get us through kind of the next phase and to get us through um, the next phase of, of healthcare with the accountable, uh, the Affordable Care Act and, and, and how all of that is changing. So I, it's hard to to pinpoint uh, the future of nursing other than it's it's definitely uh, we're going to need more people involved. I, I I personally think the future of nursing is very bright. You know, we're going to have um, we. There has always been this push for more independence in terms of nursing, mm-hmm. being more independent. We have nurse practitioners. Um, unfortunately, like Barbara touched upon, there is this shortage of nurses, and um, I think as a society, we'll start looking at why we have. Having said that, I do believe that with the telehealth and all the online remote learning that we were going to see a shift. Um, because one of the problems nurses, training nurses, the nursing shortage is from, we don't have a lot of nurses going into teaching academics. Mm-hmm. So the classes are very small. Mm-hmm. And it's a class that you cannot lump, you know, 50 people in one class, 15, 20 graduating at the same time. Um, so academics, having nurses go into, you know, teaching, I think the online remote learning has also opened up where they can take in more students at a time. And so hopefully this will bring us to a place where we can have more nurses getting trained, um, not just getting trained, getting trained the right way 
with the changes in the society, mm-hmm. like I said, thinking about health prevention, more for health prevention than going into the hospitals. And so taking care of people at home, like what we do at BAMSI, um, you know, having people reach out to nurses, having more nurse practitioners practicing on, not under the physicians, MDs, but having been able to practice on their own. I think there is, um, it's already out there that they can do that because of the shortage of um, primary care physicians. And so, we need our, yeah, we need our nurses. We need a diverse group of people yes. to be working in the communities. That our nurses should reflect mm-hmm. the what's people who can speak different languages, exactly. who can relate to people yeah. about in the community. I think that that's the you mentioned the primary care physicians, and to me, I see that being a a change that will exist where nurses, nurse practitioners, will have a much bigger role in that realm. Um, because of the need to develop those personal relationships. And Peter's told the story of his primary care physician many times before. Um, he's, a, he's, a, he's a legend on the podcast. Um, and, you know, I have a similar thing where you walk in and the, they look through the sheet and they're like, uh, your name is Ryan. Cr- oh, no, Chris Ryan. And so that doesn't get you off to a good start, right? Because it's all about building um, relationships with your primary care uh, physician. And to me, the having, you know, uh, doesn't really matter what the, the medical degrees of the person is. It's do they understand medicine and do they understand the person? And so I think that that's a future that may um, exist for, uh, for, for nursing as well, Peter. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I, I totally agree with everything you said. Um, it did strike me as interesting. In, in this country, we spend, if you take health care, we spend 65% of the of the of the healthcare product on acute care, and we mm-hmm. spend thirty five percent on uh, community care, post acute care, or preventative care. If you look at European countries, it's, it's the other way around. Mm-hmm. And the future of healthcare is not in acute care. The future of healthcare is the quality based interventions that prevent acute care and keep people in their in their um, communities. And I think. Christiana, to your point, that's where the history—that's where the future of nursing, and that's why it's bright. First of all, community nursing is where it's at. That's where most of the work goes on. We have, uh, and as I said before, we now have these tiers of professionalization of, of nursing. You know, and it's really interesting. In some ways, physicians are pricing themselves out of the market. I think about psychiatrists, and I have nothing against psychiatrists. I really don't. But here's an example. $320,000 might be what you need to pay a psychiatrist to work in a community mental health center. They can't afford that. Meanwhile, what we have is advanced practice uh, and nurse practitioners getting more and more knowledge. Knowledge is being democratized. It is, there are the opportunities to train and learn. And lo and behold, nursing... And I'll tell you this, again, I would rather see a nurse practitioner in in my practice than I would my physician. And yes, Chris, that might have something to do with my doctor who I haven't changed in 10 years, and I probably should. But but the, the amount of care, the amount of compassion, it's this brilliant mix. If you ask me of... Compassion, as we said, when people come into, there's a, it, it's not a calling, but it's a type of personality who wants to do this work. And from that comes compassion. The, the desire to be a part of something bigger than yourself, the intelligence and the intellect to learn and to grow, that's, that's a force to be reckoned with. And that's why I think the future of nursing is very bright. 
Yeah, we definitely need people. So, you know, nurses are limited by their scope of practice. And so we need people to change policies so that we can have nursing out there, uh, as well as nurse practitioners, all levels of nursing, Mm -hmm. out there working in our communities. Because to your point, the goal is to keep people home um, and not not in the hospital. And we saw that with the pandemic. Yep. The push eventually, once we, once people had a better understanding of what was going on, was to keep people home. <laughs> and we wanted to keep people home because the hospitals. Right. Uh, it's not a good place really, to be. Really sick mm-hmm. to be there. Yeah. And, um, so. I have one more thing before we wrap up. Um, and both of you have kind of referenced this is the, um, we'll, we'll call it the burnout rate of, of individuals in the, um, the industry. And, Obviously, this is not something that is just unique to to nursing. There are a lot of areas where there is a significant um, burnout, and I think that you know probably be good to look at best practices across many different um, uh, industries to figure out why that burnout takes place. But I'm curious from from your perspective, what are some of the things that can be done to prevent burnout amongst uh, nurses? Is it like Christiana was talking about with better training? If you have better training, you have better understanding, um, perhaps of what's going to take place. Is it you know, changing things up a little bit? Is it making nurses feel appreciated? Is it pay? Is it all of the above? What do you see as being you know, a couple of, of key areas that um, could go to preventing uh, turnover? I, I think compassion fatigue is real. You know, and nurses are very compassionate people. They go out there every day, I, you know, working with people. And even when you don't, you're sick, you're almost like, I don't want to leave my coworker there. And so you go in. Um, so I, as nurses, we, we try to take care of ourselves the best we can. But um, I do think it's something as a society, as like you said, it's not just nursing. But in terms of nursing, where we care for sick people, I think as a society, we have to come together to think about what is the best way to approach this. Um, people are willing to work. But there is a shortage, and people, there, people you know, cannot say, no, they don't want to work. And sometimes you have to tell them there is a reason you have your sick time. There is a reason you need to take time for yourself, not just for yourself, for your families. You know, when, you're, when you go back to work, I, you know, I enjoy the training. You sit in your car half the time. I sit in my car and I have to decompress before I walk into my home because mm-hmm. you don't want to bring all that energy. Um, but nurses are wired such that they wear so many hats as soon as they get off the work, they're back in their home. They become mm-hmm. the nurses in the home as well as mothers. And most of us are women. Mm-hmm. And But um, if you're lucky to have a team like what I have, I work with Barbara and sometimes I call. And it's all just for her to listen to me, especially in the past year. With everything going on, George Floyd, it's like mm-hmm. it weighed on, you know, me. Mm-hmm. And I had the op- I, I feel very privileged that I have a supervisor that can call me and say, "What? how are you feeling today? I know this is a rough day this week. Even with the, you know, the verdict and everything, it was still overwhelming to mm-hmm. just listen to that for, um, mm-hmm. and then go back to work and try to care for people and having that weight down on you. So I think a lot of training, a lot of self-care models that are out there so people can know how to care for themselves, especially nurses. Um, and, you know, encouraging people to speak up um, be able to speak, and when you speak and you release it and you move on to the next thing. But when you, you know, people feel like if they don't speak, I, I again, I cannot say it enough. We're lucky to have 
a place like BAMSI, we have the listening and learn session. Mm. You come, you can say whatever you want, and you can release mm. all that energy, and then you move on to the next. So I don't think uh, most places have that. But again, we are very lucky. We have Peter who's willing to listen to us. Um, I have a supervisor who's willing to listen to me, and I encourage the nurses that I work with to, you know, it doesn't have to really be about work. It could be something personal going on in your life. Mm -hmm. But that's what makes you who you are, and that's how you're going to treat your patients when you walk into that um, home to take care of someone who really needs your help. Barbara, on the flip side, do you often find individuals that kind of become – I'll speak for my own personal um, example. I'm not a nurse, uh, if, if we didn't figure that out at this point. Um, <laughs> but having worked in um, you know, news and political media for almost 20 years now, you become desensitized to a lot of things, uh, become desensitized to the human aspect of the news. And, you know, I, I've seen that kind of anecdotally at times in medical profession where people, you know, it's just another person right i can you it just it's not somebody's dad or somebody's mom and that's kind of how it you know when you hear news stories it's just a number or whatever um and you know i'm curious if, if that's if that's something that happens a lot and when a person has that rationale for going into it that they care and they've experienced things in their own family and when they start to lose that i assume that that might be a problem as well uh, for for nurses on the flip side of the spectrum. It's not just overwhelming, but it's maybe overwhelming to the point where you're like just burnt out and, and numb to um, certain things. Well, yes. Um, I would say that organizations need to practice what they preach. And if you're going to have nurses who um, are working in your organization or, or any other type of um, staff, having resources and supporting people. Um, You know, work is like a second family Mm -hmm. to a lot of folks. You spend a lot of time at work, and people do need the self-care resources. And I think that's what we're doing here at FAMSI. People need the tools to to have that self-care. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's what we do, right? And 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 I, I agree with you. You you can't have a message about how you care for people and not care for your staff because you're not going to last long as an agency if if you don't. And if you don't give people the opportunity to say what's on their mind, you miss out on a number of things. A, you miss out on making your agency better because the people who are doing the work at the coalface know how the work gets done, and that's how good working practices, standards of work get done. But you also miss out on the people because they'll leave and they'll go somewhere else. Uh, and there's always somebody else doing it better than you, and you've just got to be right on top of that as an agency. Yeah, and as a nurse, it is, I hate to say this, it, it, it can be easy to desensitize yourself. Sometimes you are around a lot of grief and sorrow. Right, and sometimes you feel like you have to do that in order to be yeah, able to continue cold. on yourself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and that's okay. But what you don't ever want to lose is empathy. Mm-hmm. Empathy for the common man. You never want to forget your purpose. It's bigger than yourself, right? And that's what the nursing profession is. And as long as you don't lose your empathy for people, um, you're doing okay. Yeah. You're doing okay. And, and it's it's okay to have these coping mechanisms in place. Uh, but to Christiana's point, um, to be able to have a voice and it's okay to, to cry. I, I always I always found it, I always try not to cry in a situation, but sometimes that's okay to do. Mm-hmm. It's okay to empathize and, and, to, and, to, uh, and to, it makes you more relatable, mm-hmm. I think, with your staff, with families, 
the people that you know we care for. Um, so, yeah. And Bamsey is one of those places where. Um, talking about advocacy and you want to be there for these folks that we work with. Um, ultimate advocate, advocacy where in the hospital, I mean, you meet people. I worked in the hospital. You meet people. They can tell you what they want. But here, what we do right. is you really are it. You are speaking for them. You are making sure sometimes it's back and forth with the physician and sometimes you throw your hands in and be like, I'm done. You know, they're not going to do it. But sometimes you're like, no, I'm not done. You know, this is what we're going to do. And so finding that balance where you don't want them to lose someone that knows them very well and knows their history and also making sure that knowing their history doesn't mean that you're just going to say, yeah, it, that's what it is. No, sometimes you have to look deep and know when to do that. And so sometimes you feel so stressed, like, okay, I, I give up, and today I did a good job. I go home and I just close my eyes and I reflect on what I did for the day. On you the know? upside, yeah. I do think community nursing is um, an environment where you can make a difference in someone's quality of life. Very, you, you can have a big impact in a short amount of time with folks, especially with the work that we do. Um, people are so appreciative, very appreciative, just to come in and smile at somebody. That in and of itself, mm. just a handshake. No, we're not doing a lot of touching these right. days. <laughs> but those small acts of kindness yeah. make a big difference um, in the work that we do. Well, Christiana, Barbara, thank you so much. Um, thank you for what you do on a day-in, day-out basis. And uh, thanks for being with us on the podcast. Thank you so much. For Peter Evers, I am Chris Ryan. Have a great rest of the day, everybody. Thank you. <laughs>